Welcome to the Movement Link podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Aitken. I'm an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist with over 15 years experience and movement is my cup of tea. Now, we know there is a strong link between how much we move and what we choose to fuel our bodies with when it comes to health and performance. So I hope this podcast will leave you with a few takeaways that allows you to move, perform and feel your best. So put your earbuds in, get moving and I hope you enjoy this episode. Right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Movement Link podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to be looking at hip mobility. So, specifically looking at what it is, why it's important, um, some ways that you can start to improve it, and then also how much hip mobility you might need as an individual. So, to start, I'm just going to define a few terms because I do think that will help in terms of um, providing a basis of understanding as I move through a few examples later in this episode. So, let's actually start by looking at the terms flexibility. Uh, mobility and also stability. Now, we often hear these terms thrown around and used interchangeably, whereas they are all quite different and each of those serves a very different purpose. Now, there are variations on each of those terms, um, but for the sake of keeping it simple in today's episode, I'm going to run with flexibility, mobility and stability. Now, I'm also going to use the hip joint as an example. So, when we look at flexibility, this is passive. So, this is how far you can can take a joint with some assistance. So from a practical uh, perspective, if you are standing up and you hug one knee to your chest, then you are physically holding that leg in place in hip flexion. So it's a passive movement and this would be a demonstration of your flexibility, okay, because you're assisting yourself to lift that leg up into position. Now, when it comes to mobility, I like to think of mobility as movability. So this is your body's ability to actively move a joint. Now, having good mobility is going to also require you to have adequate strength and also control of the muscles around that particular joint. So if we go back to that example that I used um, just a second ago where somebody was standing up and you hug your knee to your chest, um, then that's obviously a demonstration of flexibility. But to look at your mobility by comparison, you'd be standing up and your goal here would be to actively lift one knee up to your chest as high as you can without assisting in any way. Now, If you have good mobility, you should be very close to matching your flexibility or within, say, 10% of the range that you were able to achieve passively when you hugged your knee to your chest, okay? So it's a really simple test that you can do from home. If you stand up, hug one knee to your chest, just make a mental note of how high um, you can bring that knee or how close to your shoulder you can get, and then do the same without any assistance. So without assisting yourself with your hands, and just make a note of the difference and also compare your left versus right, Okay, because it can be quite an interesting uh, test just to gauge what your flexibility and mobility are like on your left and your right sides. Okay, so they're the terms flexibility and mobility. Now, the third term that I will cover quickly is stability. And as I said, when we look at mobility, I like to think of this as movability. Now, when we look at stability, I like to think of this as stability. So do you have the control to hold your body and your joints in one position, despite perhaps some unbalanced or external forces acting upon you? Now, a really simple example of this that we commonly see 
is um, a test that I'll often run when I'm assessing someone for stability. And this is when I ask somebody to stand on one leg. Now, somebody who has, you know, pretty good glute, hip, pelvic and core stability will be able to lift one foot up off the floor without leaning to the side, without bending the other knee, without wobbling um, or without having to shift the hip to the side to compensate. So by comparison, in somebody who has poor stability, then we're going to be seeing all of those little compensations happening to help keep the body stable or still. So you'll often see for someone in with poor stability, they'll lift that foot off the floor. You'll see a lot of movement around their ankle joint. You'll see the hips and the torso start to shift to help um, counterbalance and keep that person stable. So they're the terms flexibility, mobility, and stability. And even though they are often thrown around together, as you can see, they are all quite different. Now, let's look at all of the movements that our hip is capable of performing. And I'm going to run through each of those because that's going to as I said, provide a little bit more of an understanding as to why we need a certain amount of hip mobility when we are performing day-to-day activities, um, sports, hobbies, and things like that. Now, our hip is a ball and socket joint. So it is extremely, in someone with good movement, it's extremely mobile or it's designed to be extremely mobile. So our hip is capable of moving through, and I'll define each of these in a sec, flexion, extension, abductions, that's A-B-D, abduction, adduction, A-double-D, adduction, external rotation and internal rotation. Okay, so you can see here, it should be pretty, um, pretty mobile. It should be able to move really well in a variety of directions. Now, let's look at each of those um, particular movements. So flexion to start with. Flexion is when we reduce the angle of a joint. So going back to that first example where I said stand on one leg and hug your knee to your chest, okay? That is an example of hip flexion. Now, when it comes to hip flexion, we need this particular movement in order to squat. Um, We also need it to be able to climb stairs. So when we pick one foot up to place it on the step above us, that is coming into hip flexion. We need a certain amount of hip flexion in order to walk, run, lunge, and bend over. So some really simple examples there. Now, the opposite of hip flexion is hip extension. Okay, so the opposite of hugging your knee to your chest would be to have your legs start to travel back behind the body. So a practical example here is simply as you walk. So you have one foot moving forward, one leg moving forward, that's going to be coming into hip flexion, and you have one leg trailing behind the body as you walk through, okay? So the leg that is starting to trail back behind the body is coming into hip extension. So it's opening up that hip capsule, okay? Now, the next movement from there is going to be adduction. So A-double-D, adduction. And this is simply can be thought of as bringing your legs in closer towards the midline of the body. So if you're sitting on a chair, think of squeezing your knees together as much as you can. You're probably going to feel the muscles down the inside edge of your thighs. They're your adductors. So bringing your knees together or those legs in close together is going to be adduction. Now, the opposite of adduction is abduction, so ABD, abduction, and this is, hopefully you have guessed it, taking the legs further away from the midline of the body. So if you were to, say, picture yourself standing with your feet quite wide apart in a straddle, that's an example of abduction. And another common example here is going to be hopefully something that everyone will know, but a gymnast doing 
middle splits or side splits where their legs go out to the side. Okay, so that's an example of obviously someone who has very good hip abduction. Now, the last two movements here are internal and external rotation for your hip. So external rotation, if you think the knees are going to rotate outwards. So sitting cross-legged on the floor is one example of hip external rotation. Um, Sitting on a chair, crossing one ankle over your knee, that is another example of external rotation there. So internal rotation is the opposite when your knees start to rotate inwards. All right, so they're the six primary movements of your hip joint, flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, internal and external rotation. So now that we know a little bit more about how our hips move, let's look at why hip mobility is important. So we all need a certain amount of hip mobility to allow us to be independent in performing and carrying out our everyday tasks. So as I've touched on, we need a certain amount of hip mobility to walk, to run, to climb stairs. Um, We need that movement to be able to squat. Let's say we're putting things into the bottom drawers of the fridge. Um, We need hip mobility to be able to bend over and put our shoes on. We need a certain amount of mobility there to be able to stand on one leg and pull on a pair of pants or trousers. We need mobility to get in and out of the car and to sit on the floor. So you can see there that a certain amount of hip mobility is required for almost everything that we do day to day. And on top of that, if somebody is an athlete or they're participating in certain sports or hobbies, then they're also going to need a certain amount of hip mobility to develop further strength. So if we look at a movement pattern such as a deadlift or an RDL, then we need hip flexion and internal rotation. So as we hinge forward, the hip is going to flex, but it's also going to internally rotate within the hip capsule. So if we are limited in either of those movements, then we're going to be compromised in the amount of strength that we can um, achieve through our deadlift and RDL movement patterns. Now, lunging is another example where we're going to need a certain amount of hip mobility. So when we lunge, the front leg is going to come into hip flexion and external rotation, and the leg that is behind us to a certain extent is going to come into hip extension and internal rotation. Now, when we squat, you're going to need a certain amount of hip flexion as the knees come up towards the chest. You're going to need some abduction as the knees come out to the sides of your squat, and we're also going to need a degree of external rotation. So you can see here, if your movement patterns are compromised, then at some point you're probably um, going to be finding yourself hitting a bit of a sticking point in terms of your strength-based goals. Okay, so they are some very broad reasons um, as to why hip mobility is important. Now, when it comes to poor hip mobility, we know that poor hip mobility can start to affect people up and down the chain. So by this, I mean it can start to affect areas and joints above and below your hip joints, so above and below your pelvis. Now, If your hips aren't moving properly, then what we do tend to see is that your body will start to compensate in some other areas, okay? And it will start to overload and compensate through other joints. Now, poor hip mobility can commonly lead to issues with somebody's ankles, knees, and also their lower back in addition to potentially their hips. And in my experience as an EP, uh, one of the most common presentations of poor hip mobility is for someone to actually come in and present and complain with lower back pain. And I'm going to try and create a visual image for you um, 
in this next example so that you can uh, follow along and understand how the hips can be the causing factor of pain in other areas. So one example here is when we see people squat. So I want you to picture somebody squatting. Now, if you're looking at that person from the side and you see them hit the bottom of their squat and you see them butt wink, okay, or tuck their tailbone under. So this movement at the bottom of the squat where the tailbone tucks under, the lower back curves, the lower back and spine is actually moving into flexion. Now, this tends to happen when someone doesn't have enough hip, knee or ankle mobility to achieve the squat depth that they're chasing. So if you are squatting on a regular basis and every time you squat under load, your lower back moves, okay, to compensate for inadequate mobility in your other joints, so potentially your hips, then you can see that it's very easy to end up with a sore back over time from repeatedly loading that back um, in flexion at the bottom of your squat because your hips aren't moving properly. Now, another common example here that hopefully you can pull up in your mind as I talk through it is simply walking. Okay, now if you picture somebody walking, we have one leg, as I said, that has to take a step forward. So that leg is going to, or that hip is going to move into hip flexion. And then by consequence, we have one leg that is going to come back behind the body into hip extension. Now, for somebody that doesn't have adequate hip extension, when they walk, where are they going to get that movement from? So if their hip doesn't move enough for that leg to travel behind the body, then we're going to start to see the lower back shift into lumbar extension instead. So you can imagine the potential impact that this can have over a long period of time. Every time somebody is walking and they might be somebody who goes out and enjoys you know, a 60 to 75 minute walk several times per week as part of their um exercise routine. So if their hip is not moving adequately into extension and every time they walk, they're constantly moving into lumbar extension and loading their lower back, then that lower back can really end up quite stiff, quite tight and quite sore over time from overuse. So our body is really smart, right? If it can't get the movement that it needs from the hips, then it will start to look elsewhere and it will draw that movement from another joint. Okay. So When it comes to uh, managing or mitigating issues relating to poor hip mobility, the simple answer here is to start to move more, okay? And it doesn't have to be structured or fancy. So some really um, simple, perhaps corny examples are to start squatting when you brush your teeth. So you should be, hopefully you're all brushing your teeth for at least two minutes. I believe that's the gold standard. Um, But when you're brushing your teeth, can you actually hold a squat with your feet flat on the floor? for the duration that you spend brushing your teeth, okay? That's a really great way to start to test out your hip mobility. And if you can't hold a squat for those two minutes, start with five seconds, start with 10 seconds, okay? So break it down and gradually build it up. Other things that you can start to do to help manage um, hip mobility is find a good five-minute morning hip mobility routine that you can do as soon as you get out of bed. Now, I have several things on my Instagram page if you scroll back, um, but you could also Google five-minute morning hip routine, and I have no doubt that something on YouTube will pop up. Um, Other things you can do, do some hip cars when you're talking on the phone, so stand up, move your hips around. 
You can also start to factor in five to 10 minutes of hip mobility into your warm-up um, before you train. And even you know 20 to 30 minutes, if you have it a couple of times per week, can really start to make a difference if you're also taking other ad hoc opportunities to move. Now, when it comes to hip mobility, a lot of people ask, well, how much time do I need to put into this in order to see some improvements? And to be fair, it is going to take the same level of application and intention as somebody who is wanting to improve their strength. So if you put in, you know, five like really lackluster, half-hearted minutes of gentle hip movement into your warm-up or at the start of your day, then you're probably not going to see significant changes in how your hips move or perhaps notice any significant differences in terms of how your hips are feeling. So that level of application and intention um, needs to be purposeful. So this is generally for a lot of people going to require um, a specific and some sort of dedicated hip mobility routine. Now, if you don't know where to start, I run mobility and flexibility assessments. So please reach out to me. Um, I will pop my contact details in the show notes and also run through them at the end of this assessment. But it can be very simple to come up with two or three um, simple exercises that you can do on a regular basis. So on most days during the week, they can be factored into your other training and your other exercise that will help you get on top of this and hopefully help mitigate issues that can stem down the track from having poor hip mobility. So in terms of where to start, I'm going to run through a few specific exercises and things that you can start to play around with. Now, one of the most simple ones is simply to start by squatting and play around with your stance width here. So play around with squatting with a narrow stance, so having your feet quite close together, and then also take your feet a little bit wider apart and try squatting with a wider stance. Um, hinging, as I touched on before, things like your RDLs, so your Romanian deadlifts, your standing good mornings can be a great way to start to train hip hinging, hip flexion, basic hip internal rotation. Doing some lunges, okay, so factoring some lunges into your warm up. Um, and don't forget to move to the side here, so some lateral lunges as well as forwards and backwards, because remember our hips also move out to the side, so they abduct. And we need to ensure that we've got adequate mobility through our adductors in order to squat, okay? Sitting on the floor with your legs crossed and also getting up off the floor without using your hands is a great indicator of hip mobility and something fun to play with, okay? Now, the number of adults who find it uncomfortable to sit on the floor with their legs crossed is quite concerning. So kids often put their parents to shame when it comes to um, to movement quality. So a simple test that you can do if you're wanting to test out the quality of your hip mobility is to sit on the floor with your legs crossed for five minutes. Okay, so your knees should be relatively close to the floor and you should feel reasonably comfortable. Okay, and then the defining factor, you should also be able to move out of that position after five minutes without feeling stiff and sore. Okay, so super simple test that you can run from home. Um, And as I said, if you are unsure where to start, please reach out. So very simple to create a plan that is specific to um, you and your needs that you can then take away and run with and implement into your current routine. So how much hip mobility do we need? And this is a question that people will commonly ask when I see them. And my answer to this is going to be that it depends because in all honesty, 
for most people, we probably don't need as much hip mobility as we think we do. But having said that, we could probably all do with having a little bit more than what we've got. So we certainly don't all need or want to be able to do full splits. Now, as a general rule of thumb, my suggestion to someone who is wanting to improve their hip mobility is once we've completed an assessment is for that person to work on achieving as much hip mobility as they need to be able to complete whatever they need to do or enjoy doing each day. Okay, so that's going to be anything relating to the movement requirements for the sports that they enjoy playing, the hobbies that they enjoy participating in, and then any general activities day to day. And then on top of that, my suggestion is to also work on developing just a little bit more. So that person has an injury buffer. So that extra bit of mobility is hopefully going to be your insurance against injury. Now, the Mobility requirements, as I said, is going to be largely dependent upon an individual and what they enjoy and need to be doing each day. So a 40-year-old who enjoys surfing, perhaps they enjoy going to the gym a couple of times each week. They like to do their squats and their deadlifts in the gym. They want to be able to chase their kids around the park. He is going to have a very different mobility requirements to, let's say, an 80-year-old who is living by herself. Um, She simply wants enough movement to be able to bend over, pick her shoes up off the floor, stand to put some pants on, um, squat in order to perhaps reach into the back of the fridge, get in and out of the car and be able to stand up off the lounge or off a chair safely. So very different mobility requirements for those two particular people. So hopefully God has given you um, a little bit more information on hip mobility, how much you might need, why it's important and also where to start. And as I said, if you do have any questions, um, please reach out to me so you can catch me by email. I am at the movement link at gmail.com and you can also reach me on Instagram. So I'm at Gemma Lee underscore X fizz. And as I said, if you are unsure where to start, I do also offer movement and flexibility assessments. That is a chance to look at exactly how much mobility you have versus how much you might need to do everything that you're wanting to do each day. Okay, so please reach out if you have any questions there. But on that note, have a fantastic rest of the week. As always, put your earbuds in, keep moving, and I'll be back with another episode soon. 